You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Remember, you can always find us on the Himalaya podcast app. No emergency sound, but this is a somewhat emergency podcast. Although we predicted this would happen, we knew this would happen, uh, we planned for it because the NFL draft is too important to not have instant reaction from. And I think the reaction for the Packers in the first round, especially with that number 12 pick, comes to a, an interesting point here because the the draft was breaking right for the Green Bay Packers. Sitting there on the board at the 12th pick, Montez Sweat, there was Andre Dillard, Brian Burns, all of these players that I thought could appeal to Green Bay. And the pick they ultimately made was Rashawn Gary, a defensive lineman from Michigan. And and Roger Goodell announced that he was a linebacker. He is 6'4", 277. That's about the same size. In fact, almost exactly the same size as Zadarius Smith, except Rashawn Gary is infinitely more athletic, uh, an absolute freak of nature when it comes to the uh, the athleticism, a 9.95 relative athlete score. I mean, just an unbelievable athlete. But right now, that's mostly all he was, was the number one player coming out of uh, high school at Michigan and never reached the production that we thought we would have. And, and and I mean we being anyone who watched college football thought Rashawn Gary was going to be a monster. His physical tools are incredible. They had another player on the board that they could have taken in Montez Sweat with crazy physical tools. Now at the same time, you're talking about someone 6'4 and a half, 277 with long arms running 4'5'8", 38-inch vertical. I mean, the the tools here are off the charts. Can you get productivity out of him? I don't know. I just don't know. And he's going to be 21 his entire rookie season. He reminds me, this is interesting, the comp that I had for him coming out before Green Bay picked him was Nick Perry. The Packers have a type, and Rashawn Gary fits it. Now, I would have taken Montez Sweat. I would have taken Andre Dillard. I probably would have taken Brian Burns. In fact, there's a host of guys I would have taken, probably 20 or 30, <laughs> before I would have taken Rashawn Gary. Created pressure on 13.9% of pass rush snaps per pro football focus. That number is below all of the other top pass rushers in this draft. So let's just go through some of the things that I wrote about him in my analysis of him as a player. He's a tall, long pass rusher with a thick lower body, excellent motor, 
relentless, has a heavy punch. He's got a very good lateral quickness for a guy his size, but he's not really bendy off the edge. I think the biggest problem for him right now is does he have a pass rush plan? Does he know what to do with his hands? Does he know how to be creative and and give himself an opportunity to win against these offensive linemen? I think he has spent most of his life being able to be athletic. Now, I think he's a really good kid, and that is an important part of this. If if they didn't have Montez Sweat off the board because of his heart issue and and they take Rashawn Gary, you know, he has an injury of his own to deal with. Uh, and that's something that I think you know has to be taken into consideration here. Hopefully he can play. Now, one of the things he is really good at, he is best as a pass rusher on loops and twists. Mike Pettin loves to run those games up front. I think they're going to use him as an A-gap blitzer. They're going to use him on those twists. He's got really great lateral quickness, and he's got really really great straight line burst. He can bull rush you. That's why I think he's he's got a lot of similarities to Nick Perry. Doesn't have that array of pass rush moves, but can can bull you and has elite athleticism that gives you hope that he can get there as a as a pass rusher. We just we just don't know. He's an effort pass rusher who wins with brute force at this point. One of the one of the notes I made here is is he athletic enough to play consistently on the edge in the modern spread league? Can he create pass rush quickly enough? Now, there are flashes. I mean, he dominated Ohio State, but Wisconsin in 2017 really handled him. So this was this was my final conclusion on Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary is a ball of tools right now. He looks the part of an NFL defensive end, comes with major prep pedigree, and played for a prestige college program. If the latter two things weren't true, we'd be talking about a day two or maybe even a day three prospect. Now, one of the reasons those two are true tie into his appeal. He's a freaky athlete for his size with speed and lateral quickness and flashes strength in his upper body when he plays with good leverage. The problem is he just hasn't put it all together yet. We haven't seen him be the down-to-down monster his physical tools say he can be. His hand placement and pass rush repertoire lack polish, and he's not going to bend to the QB. His best trait right now is stacking blockers and making plays in the run game. Gary's lateral quickness allows him to thrive on stunts, and he has enough speed to track down ball carriers, but he's just not an impact pass rusher yet. If you want to bank on that upside, that's fine, but it's possible. He never becomes more than a solid run-stuffing defensive end who can bull rush. He's best as a 5-tech or even a 3-tech in pass rush situations. By the way, something I think he's going to get to do for this team. We knew he'd be a freak athlete, but he's a freak athlete, one of the best ever. I had him as an early second round pick. So unequivocally to me, this is a reach. And that's just, it is what it is. Now, if we see him play, if we see there is, you know, something that they have a different kind of plan for him, again, he's young and crazy athletic. So he fits the mold in that way of the kind of player Green Bay has traditionally liked. But the Nick Perry thing could have worked out. It didn't because of injuries. If Rashawn Gary can be healthy, now he's already hurt, so we're off to a bad start here. Nick Perry, when he was healthy, when he had that one healthy season, he blossomed into something special and and earned himself that big contract. He didn't show that consistently enough, and that's what led us to the point of him having to be cut on that big contract. So 
for Green Bay to use that pick on him at 12, you know, can he, this is, I think this is an important question. Can he live up to that draft spot? Yes. Yes, he can. But it's going to take a lot of work. He has to be motivated to get there. Again, by all accounts, he is a good kid. He absolutely looks the part. Uh, One of the guys on ESPN said, you want him coming off the bus first? Absolutely true. Uh, He is a physical marvel. 458 at 6'4", 277 is freaking ridiculous. I mean, that is ridiculous. If you trust your coaches, I understand the pick here. Again, this was a guy that before the season was being talked about as a, a top five pick. I mean, Mel Kuyper said it on the telecast. He has number one overall pick tools. And so if you're sitting there at 12 and and you think he's the best guy on the board, Green Bay obviously did, then you take him. This is a big risk, though, especially with the other players who were on the board. What I'll say before before we get to the rest of the first round, what I'll say is if you're going to take a gamble, do it at a premium position and do it on a guy with crazy physical tools. That's what Rashawn Gary is. He he is going to be a pass rusher, an edge rusher. They're going to play him all over the formation. They now have three guys that they can play everywhere. They're, they can play with their hand in the dirt. They can play standing up. They can rush on the A-gap. They can play three-tech. They can play five-tech. You want to you line him up over centers and have him pass rush as a nose tackle and sub package? You can do that. That kind of versatility and flexibility does have value. But if you're going to take a home run swing here, this is exactly the kind of player you do it on. Now, let me say one more thing about Rashad Gary before we move on here. Uh, There was a comment made by Michigan defensive coordinator Don Brown who called Rashawn Gary. Now, this this is June of last year, so he hasn't played his senior season. Going into Gary's senior season, he was considered a top five, top three pick. Here is what Don Brown said about him. He called him the best I've ever seen. Best I've ever seen combining speed, strength, change of direction, and the mental curve. He's unbelievable. The sky is the limit. The good thing is I think he understands that. There's a lot on his shoulders. So that's his defensive coordinator, and we're talking about this is a year ago. This is not in the pre-draft process. This is a year ago. He is gushing about this player. The coaches at Michigan loved him, and clearly the Green Bay Packers coaches and front office loved him. This is the kind of player Mike Patton wants, interchangeable, can play inside, outside, a little bit of everywhere. They're going to drop him in coverage, and he has the athletic ability to grow into a role that is whatever they want it to be. Said he models his game after Julius Peppers. Okay, let's well, let's relax. But also said he models his game after Cam Jordan. That is a name that I really like for him. Because it took Cam a couple years before he really figured it out. But when he figured it out, when that light went on, he became an absolute monster. After that, there was a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth about the pick. And then Green Bay traded up. We're going to talk about that in just a second. I get it. Finding the right player in the draft to satisfy everyone is difficult. Teams are never going to do that. But you can find the right person to fill your job with ZipRecruiter because they make it 
easy. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to find qualified candidates, and that place is ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smarter way to hire. So as Packers Twitter is having a collective conniption fit (laughs) over the Rashawn Gary pick, Green Bay sends both their fourth round picks and the 30th pick to Seattle for 21. Before they even made a selection, before they picked anyone, I said, this is a no-brainer pick. A no-brainer trade to make. This is giving up no day two draft capital. I would have thought they would have had to give up a third maybe to get there. No, two-fourths. They still have 44. They still have 75. And they trade up to get Darnell Savage Jr., the safety from Maryland, who I, and listeners of this podcast will know, he was a guy I adored. Now, I had him as the 24th player in this draft. Montez Sweat was still on the board. Andre Dillard was still on the board. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who I thought was the better safety overall, was still on the board. But you will remember, or perhaps you will remember, that I said on this podcast, but also said on Twitter a couple weeks ago, that for the Packers, I felt like there may not be a better fit in this safety class next to Adrian Amos than Darnell Savage, a guy who runs 4-3. There was a, a similarity, I believed, in the way that Amos's game complements Eddie Jackson that could complement Darnell Savage because he is a freaky athlete, so another incredible athlete. Brian Gutekinds loves athletes. We now have a pretty solid profile that says if you're not uh, an incredible athlete, a top, you know, five percentile athlete, you're not going to be a top pick for the Green Bay Packers as long as Brian Gutekunst is calling the shots. He had a huge 2017 season, three picks, eight passes defended, uh, a, a return for touchdown. He can play a little bit in the slot as a cover corner, can play deep safety, can play in the box. And even though he's 5'11", 198. He will come down and hit you. Now, he's a little bit of an inconsistent tackler. If he puts on five-ish, 10 pounds maybe, I think he can be a little bit more impactful as a tackler. But the reason I like him next to Amos is he's going to freelance. He's going to go try and make splash plays. He is going to go maybe a little off script. And Amos can be there to cover for those things. That's that's something that he did for Eddie Jackson in Chicago. Amos playing rock-solid football allowed Jackson to make plays all over the field. One of the things I love about Savage, he's a great blitzer. He's got that speed, but he's got really good timing, and he is disruptive. When they send him, he gets to the quarterback or the ball carrier. When he is able to see the field cleanly, He's going to come downhill and he's going to disrupt. He comes down with bad 
intentions. This dude is a heat-seeking missile. One of the best plays I saw any safety make in this class, he got a pick six against Temple. He read the quarterback in zone coverage, clicked and closed with explosion, fires underneath the route, takes it for six. And the thing about him being a little bit of a gambler, he has the recovery speed to make up for it. He misread a trick play in one game and had the juice to get back into a, it was, this is a go route. He misread it, didn't see that it was a, that it was going to be a reverse pass or a halfback pass, I can't remember, and he gets back and knocks the ball away on a go right all the way down the field. Incredible athletic talent. And there are times when he plays like a linebacker. He he looks like a running back reading holes and firing through them to make tackles at times. And, you know, I think one of the players I loved last year was Justin Reed out of Stanford. Played a very similar role to Reed. He can play in the slot, can cover, has the speed to run with anyone in the slot, can play a little bit in the box, can play deep. There, He's going to be all over the field for Mike Patton. He plays with attitude. Now, because of that aggressiveness, he can be a little bit susceptible to misdirection, to play action. Maryland liked to use him a lot as an overhang rover defender, um, but I'm not sure that's the best place for him. He makes incredible plays in zone coverage and in man coverage. Just deploy him everywhere. Don't, don't, don't put him in a box. And I mean that in, in the metaphoric sense, but also don't put him only in the box. I mean, this was, this was my final conclusion on Darnell Savage. Savage is the model of what the modern nickel safety looks like. Speed and agility to cover in the slot. He can come up and make tackles in the run game and has the athleticism to play deep. For someone his size, he plays bigger and may not actually be suited to the kind of deep safety archetype his body suggests he should be. Play him everywhere, and he can help your team in myriad ways. There's great, there's great timing and juice as a blitzer, as a run blitzer, and in the passing game. His explosiveness downhill can create negative plays for opposing offenses, and he has the instincts in the passing game, reading the QB in zone coverage. On a team that will use him where he's best, there's legitimate Top 40 talent here. Running 4-3-6 only emphasizes his ability to change games with his speed. Some of the issues with reading and reacting can be helped with more experience. He is a late first-round player. 21, right in the range where he belongs. Uh, Again, I, I had him at 24, but in a tier where the top player in that tier was 22. So right in that mid to late first round range is where Savage fits in. And I think one of the reasons Green Bay really liked him was that ability to play nickel. He can play in the slot and you don't have to go to your extra defensive back. You can play Savage. You don't have to go to your extra corner because Savage can stay on the field. And as someone who wants to come tackle, you don't have to put a corner on the field who might not want to come tackle. So when you're when you're Green Bay and you look at this defense you say, what did they need? Well, they need they needed playmaking at the safety position. They got it. They needed pass rush depth. They got it. Whether Rashawn Gary can help them in year one is, is sort of beside the point because Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith are going to play a ton of snaps, most of the snaps, in fact. So when you're looking at what they needed, getting a player in Gary who's a little bit of a project 
is not the end of the world because he's not going to have to play a ton of snaps for you in year one. Darnell Savage, he might. And and he is better suited to do that. He can come in and give you if if you're gonna if he's gonna be your nickel safety. So let's say they're gonna play Adrian Amos and Josh Jones in base as safeties. Most of what Patton wanted to do last year, his his true base formation, his home base formation, the one he wanted to play, is that three safety big nickel. You put Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, and Josh Jones on the field, you've got a lot of athleticism, and now you've added the playmaker. They needed that playmaker, and that's exactly what Darnell Savage can be. If you take these two picks in their totality, I I like what Green Bay did in the first round, and you can see the blueprint of what they're building. You want to have players who have upside. You want to have players with athletic ability. This team needed to get faster on defense. They needed impact guys. Well, Rashawn Gary is not going to probably be that in year one, but can blossom into that. And Savage is a playmaker ready to go. He plays with attitude. You know who's going to love Darnell Savage? Jair Alexander. Those two together, they play with so much swagger that this defense, just the attitude of this defense is is incredibly different today than it was yesterday. And the speed, the athleticism, the upside of this defense is much better today than it was yesterday. Before we get out of here, I want to hit on a couple things. Number one, I understand the frustration not coming out of the first round. This is so funny. I... I it it just it blows my mind but a lot of packer fans were mad when i suggested green bay ought to go offensive tackle at 12 a lot of not vitriol but a lot of packer fans in my mentions on twitter were annoyed with my take on that oh well the value's not there blah 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 then the packers issue an offensive tackle at 12 trade up for not an offensive tackle at 21 and suddenly all these Packer fans are worried about the future of Green Bay's offensive line. Now, I'm not saying it's all the same people that are flip-flopping. It's not. But it is just funny how it works. Here is what I'll say about Green Bay not going with an offensive lineman. If it is the case, we've talked about this before, but I think it's particularly relevant now. If it is the case, Billy Turner is the heir apparent at right tackle, then the real position that Green Bay needed moving forward was a right guard. That could be Cole Madison. I don't think they should bank on that, but it could be. But if that is, in fact, the case, then Green Bay has a history of foregoing interior offensive linemen early. They're not going to take one tomorrow. They're not going to take one until at least Saturday. If if that is the case, if it is true that Billy Turner is their preferred method of finding the next right tackle for this team, given the way he was paid, I don't think that's crazy. I cannot take credit for this theory. This is Jason Hirschhorn's theory that he brought to my attention. I loved it. I have adopted it. And I will give him credit for it. I think I think there's a good case. I think there's evidence that 
that is the case, especially after you go through the first round and, and Andre Dillard's on the board. You don't take him. Juwan Taylor's on the board. You don't take him. Chris Lindstrom is on the board. You don't take him. All And 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 there were teams that I thought reached for offensive linemen. The, the Texans drafted Titus Howard, who I thought was like a mid-day two pick. And that was crazy. There are still really good offensive linemen on the board. That's the thing that's crazy about all this. Dalton Reisner is still on the board. Juwan Taylor is still on the board. They could still be sitting. Greg Little is still on the board. They met and had interest in all of those players. They could be sitting there at 24 with a number of options. And and this is where I want to leave the conversation today because we're going to do this again after day two on Friday night. DK Metcalf is the best player on the board. By the way, it is it is Friday as of this recording and as of you're listening to this if you're on the East Coast. DK Metcalf is the best player on the board. If he falls to 44, run the card in. Dalton Reisner, could they double up at safety? Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, not crazy. Byron Murphy, cornerback. Elgton Jenkins, interior offensive lineman, not going to be on Green Bay's radar. Irv Smith Jr., could he be the pick at 44? If it is the case that they think they have right tackle solved, then I don't think we should expect 44 is going to be used on an offensive lineman. It's going to be used on something else. Unless there's just value that they can't pass up. There's going to be a ton of, and we talked about this, when we did our, our 44th pick preview, we talked about the number of corners and receivers that could be on the board. Well, only one first-round receiver had gone, and then the Patriots picked at 32, took Nikhil Harry. So only two receivers in the first round that leaves a ton of options for green bay albert breer of sports illustrated said green bay is a team to watch with paris campbell he is still on the board kelvin Harmon from north carolina state not the ideal athlete that green bay likes but compares favorably with jordy nelson juan taylor as i mentioned still on the board justin lane still on the board drew lock still on the board Let's move past that. Deontay Thompson still on the board. Debo Samuel, Paris Campbell, as I mentioned. Juwan Williams, Nasir Adderley, Hakeem Butler, Ja'Kai Polite, Cody Ford, Greedy Williams, Juan Thornhill, Chase Winovich. I mean, there are still so many good players on the board. Green Bay is going to get another good player at 44. I mean, I have DK Metcalf and Dalton Reisner as red chip players. Four guys that I that I view as legitimate first rounders still on the board. And another seven who I have top 32 grades on. Debo Samuel, I have at 33. He would make eight. Paris Campbell at 35. Juwan Williams, 36. Nasir Adderley, 37. Greg Little, 41. Hakeem Butler, 42. Ja'Kai Polite, 43. It would be kind of wild. If Green Bay took Polite at 44 and wound up with Polite, who the, who everyone thought they were going to take all year at 12, Gary, who would have been a really good, a really good pick at 44, honestly, and Darnell Savage at 21, who would have been a good pick and was a good pick at 21. So it's interesting how things are playing out. Green Bay now set up to have a ton of talent available to them at 44, and 
you know, 75 is just going to be kind of a crapshoot. But, you know, there's already multiple players that were picked in the first round that I had outside my top 40. Hollywood Brown, Jeffrey Simmons, LJ Collier, Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, Titus Howard, Josh Jacobs. I mean, think of how many more players outside of the top, you know, 50. We had two players outside the top 70 for me, anyway, already picked. Think about in the next 40-plus selections before Green Bay picks at 75, how many players are going to go that probably shouldn't? Probably a lot. Green Bay could get a top 50 player at 75. The picks they used to trade up to 21 were the picks I would have used to trade up into the 50s with 75, but they might not have to now. The rest of the league might make it easy for them to just say, eh, we're going to stay put. So a lot of options for Green Bay. I love the chance for them to take a receiver. If they get a pass rusher, a safety, and a receiver at the top of this draft, and Billy Turner is their right tackle of the future, that's a great top of their draft. From a positional standpoint, from a talent standpoint, from a a versatility standpoint, from an athleticism standpoint, because you know they're going to take a receiver with some juice. Paris Campbell. I mean, Paris Campbell is the target. He's the guy. Or DK Metcalf. One of those two guys at 44. I know know fans were not super pumped about DK Metcalf at 12 or 30, but at 44, you run that card into the commissioner. And speaking of running, I got to run. I got to get this out to you. You guys are listening to it now, but as as I'm speaking right now, I'm looking at the clock and, and going to try and get this edited as fast as I can, get it posted so you can consume it. Then we'll be back tomorrow to do this all over again with day two, rounds two and three. Green Bay right now has two picks. That's likely to stay that way. They just don't have the ammunition to get any more picks uh, unless they're going to give up future picks, which I find that hard to believe. They made their swing. It was for Darnell Savage. And we'll see how that pays off for for them. I I love the fit next to Amos there. I love it. I love it. And, you know, again, Gary is a risk, but it's a home run swing. And it could pay off or it could not, but it could pay off. Let's not forget that part of it. I'm not super high on it. I don't love the value of it, but it is a home run swing that absolutely, I mean, there were there were teams that that took players who I just think flat out cannot live up to their draft position. The Giants at 17, Dexter Lawrence. I don't think Christian Wilkins can be worth the 13th pick. I don't think Titus Howard can be worth the 23rd pick. Rashawn Gary can be worth the 12th pick. And so that makes their swing there different. All right, again, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, instant reaction. I know it's a Friday night, but if you're glued to your TV screen, you can you can listen on your phone as well. Saturday morning, perfect thing. If you're going for a run, if you're if you're running errands, if you've got a car ride, we're going to be here for you breaking everything down from the top 100, the day two picks for the Green Bay Packers and beyond. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm breaking it all down live. If you want live analysis, that is the place to be. I got a DM from someone technically yesterday. For me, it's today because I haven't slept since this person sent me a DM. But it was Thursday that someone sent me a DM and said, I don't use Twitter. This is probably going to be the only reason I use Twitter. I just wanted to tell you I appreciate the work that you do. That was Cool. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes. You can subscribe to us on the all-new Himalaya podcast app on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked on Packers. 
and you have already been making very, very aggressive use. I love it of the Locked On Packers fan hotline. And if you haven't and you want to, send me a text, leave a voicemail, 920-341-3775. This is the best time of year to stay Locked On Packers. Packers.